Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. It is episode number 10 of the Jones Report postgame report, where we recap the weekend that was in the National Football League, college football, and the Masters. And before we do anything else, as always, I want to remind you to subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And, of course, I'm on social media, on Twitter, at Tyler Jones Live, uh, also on Facebook and Instagram there as well. And a big announcement as far as the production front goes, this show now has a sister program of sorts within our organization. Uh, we are launching on December 1st, Let's Go Racing with NASCAR driver David Starr. It'll be David, myself, and the RacingExperts.com editor-in-chief, Dominic Aragon. So be looking for that here in the coming weeks, two weeks uh, from now, just over two weeks after Thanksgiving, we'll launch that show. So we'll be promoting that here in the coming days. But where I want to start today on these Monday shows, the question that we always ask is, what did we learn from the weekend? And the thing that I learned this past weekend is that the game of golf the PGA side, professional golf, is really at an all-time high right now when it comes to talent in golf. Dustin Johnson wins the Masters in dominating fashion, 20 under. I mean, he had two rounds of 65 this weekend, <laughs> okay? Rounds one and rounds three. I mean, he was just terrific. Um, and, you know, this season with Dustin Johnson – he, he's got this Masters Championship. He won the Tour Championship. He won the FedEx Cup. He was the Player of the Year in the PGA Tour. All those things, all those accolades. And even then, it doesn't feel like that Dustin Johnson just completely owns the sport of golf. That, you know, he's just going out there and raking everybody every week. He's not playing like Tiger did in the early 2000s. In fact, quite the opposite. He's playing this well, and yet the competition is still playing fantastic. We're not far removed from Brooks Kepka winning all those majors in a row. And sure, he doesn't win a major this year, but he still played really good golf and still was a threat and still contended uh, throughout this entire season. Um, you know, Tiger Woods was competing even with the injuries that he suffered this year in the limited action. Tiger was still a threat early on in the Masters. Phil Mickelson played some good golf early on as well. Um, you go down the line, you look at last year, our guy here in Kansas, Gary Woodland, wins the U.S. Open. And sure, he didn't win a golf event this year, but he was still competitive. But it goes on and on. Rory McIlroy. Sure, it's been a while since he's won a major, but he's still a great golfer. Um, you know, all the talent in golf right now. I don't think that we stop and give enough credit to how good the game of golf is right now. Everyone's so focused on looking back on the glory days that was with Tiger Woods. And that was a special time. Don't get me wrong. Those were the peak days of the sport of golf when it came to ratings and popularity uh, but those days are behind us, well behind us. And Tiger Woods, I love Tiger just as much as the next guy. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, Tiger's not that dominant player he was back then. 
Tiger is a good golfer. He still can contend and win, and he can still win majors at a high level. Absolutely. Um, but he's not going to do what he did every week, you know, just you know, several years ago. This is a new era, a, a new time in the golf world where we have to accept that, hey, we may never see anybody have a Tiger Woods domination factor again have that swagger and that charisma and that attitude, but there's going to be more guys in contention that have a shot than ever before. Bryson DeChambeau, look at him. He won the U.S. Open this year and played great golf. And I know some people don't like his attitude and his style. I get that completely. Don't get me wrong. I think that he's misunderstood. But Bryson's a guy that is going to be good for a long time. Just look up and down the board. Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, um, you know, guys still Ricky Fowler still around. Um, John Rahm is playing good. There's so many guys that can win win week in and week out and be potential Hall of Famers. That's the other thing with, with DJ is that if he didn't have it locked up already, this weekend Dustin Johnson became a Hall of Fame golfer. I already thought he was. But now with, what is it, 27, 28 wins, two major championships, a FedEx Cup Player of the Year award, DJ is under the radar. He sure isn't getting talked about like Tiger and what Phil were. But he's a Hall of Fame golfer, and he's just one of many right now. So I think we need to stop taking for granted. I know that those days, those days of Tiger were just incredible years ago, but those days are behind us now. Live in the moment. Enjoy what we have in the sport of golf. I mean, you heard all the corny headlines, the jokes of DJ going, you know, 20 under in 2020. Um, you know, and sure, he, he, he gets that record when it was easier to do with no fans there, no fans on the other end of the gallery cheering on somebody else and stuff, stuff like that. That's the other thing with COVID is that we're going to see records in all these sports get shattered, especially in college sports when these guys are getting five years of eligibility and uh, those career records are all going to fall down of sorts. I- I'm not complaining about that. That shows a reality that we're going to see in the, for the foreseeable future. And-, and I'll take that with these guys playing rather than not playing at all. That's just something that we sacrifice, something we suffer throughout this time. But all that being said, uh, DJ, congrats. Uh, it was great to see Paulina as well. Get to see ha- her have a, a few moments in the sun there. And uh, certainly not going to complain on that front. But Dustin Johnson, folks, uh, I think he's just starting to hit his prime. There's more major championships in Dustin Johnson's future. And there's more major titles for Justin Thomas and for Justin Rose and uh, you know, Ricky, I think Ricky Fowler eventually will get one and Bryson DeChambeau and all these young guys, you know, Jordan Spieth eventually is going to bounce back. I mean, this sport folks is in good hands. Soak it in, enjoy it. It's a new era of golf and it's a good era of golf. Brooks Kepka's got more titles down the line and he's showing more personality. The sport is in good hands. I just want to put that out there to start off today. I learned that. And I already had an idea of mine, but this just reaffirmed what I already knew.
And so I hope that I can pass along that knowledge to you as we start off the show today. But big win for uh, Dustin Johnson. Happy for him and that he was able to have a big year like he did. Let's go around the National Football League. The Chiefs had a bye week this week, a much-needed bye week after they started off the year 8-1, and one, and we got news today that Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher and uh, and Rankin are all headed to the reserve COVID-19 list. That does not mean they have COVID-19, um, but it does mean that they are being looked at of sorts that those guys uh, potentially could have some contract contact tracing and could be out for a bit. Um, we'll see. But that remains to be seen as far as that goes on their front. Hope those guys are okay, but we don't know, uh, quite frankly. We'll just see. But, you know, you, you have that win against Carolina, and it looks like the Chiefs were kind of just running out of gas. Their defense was so banged up. This bye week, right after they've played nine games, have seven to go in the regular season, good timing for them um, to take care of that and to get ready for the Raiders. And I'm sure they're going to bounce back. We'll talk about that later in the week when they take on this Raider team that they're fired up to get their revenge. And, you know, there's all been all this talk today about from John Gruden and Andy Reid about their bus that did a victory lap of sorts and – just all that comes with it. Chiefs fans don't want to admit this. Um, but here's the fact of the matter. When the Raiders are good, that's good for the NFL. And that's good for the Chiefs, and it's good for the AFC West. Because that makes this rivalry more relevant and more fun. And the league is better when the Raiders are good. I like this Raider team. Uh, I tell you what, man. You know, John Gruden and company, they got something going there. And I think Sunday night's game is going to be very fascinating. We'll talk about that more coming up on Thursday's show. But looking back at this week, starting on Thursday night, the Colts, they topped the Titans 34-17 to in Tennessee. That one made no sense to me. Absolutely none. The Titans are the more talented team. They're at home. And Phillip Rivers, I mean, he played okay, but not spectacular. But... They end up shutting out the Titans in the second half. Derrick Henry rushed for 100 yards, and that still wasn't good enough. Look, I've been selling the Colts for a while. Somehow they're still 6-3. and three. But here's the deal. Phelps Rivers is playing better this year than he was last year. Their run game is solid, but it's that defense. Indianapolis has a good defense that no one's hardly talking about. That's why. They're pulling off some of these victories, these wins that they're not supposed to. That defense is getting it done for them. I don't think that's a solution for them to be winning playoff games is that defense because I think they still have too many holes in their offense. But nonetheless, Michael Pittman had a big game, seven receptions for 101 yards receiving. Um, You know, that Colts team, they might win this division now after that one. I mean – I didn't see it coming, but credit where credit's due. Maybe I need to stop the uh, the anti-Colts stuff going on because their defense has looked very good and carried this team to this point. Uh, the Browns beat the Texans 10-7. to This was an ugly game. My gosh. Um, you had three points in the first three quarters. I mean, you, 
you could have watched paint dry and it would have been more exciting than this game. Uh, but ultimately, the Browns pull it off. They're at six and three themselves. Texans are two and seven, and the Texans are considering keeping Romeo Cornell. Why? My goodness. I mean, is he better than Bill O'Brien? Maybe. But if that's the measuring stick and keeping a head coach, uh, then about everybody in the league should stay employed. Um, I guess the defenses were good. I know it was bad weather and such. But I think what we're seeing from the Browns is, in all six of those wins, who's their best win? They're beating bad teams. Okay? Look, I like Baker. It was good they had Chubb back. He had a big day, 126 yards. But the, but the fact of the matter is the Browns are beating bad teams. Um, sell the Browns 6-3. and three. Uh, They're a pretender. They're a phony. Lions beat Washington 30-27. to 27. Uh, Akeem Tlaib called this game on Fox, and he was just an electric factory uh, on the broadcast. If you missed any of it, go back to – NFL Game Pass or something like that. I mean, Akib was just outstanding. Um, but the story of this game wasn't even necessarily the outcome. It was the fact that Alex Smith got to start this game, and everybody knows about his story, You know, going through 17 surgeries, could barely walk, um, and yet he still gets to start this game and make that big comeback and everything. That was an incredible story just for Alex Smith to be able to take the field. He had close to 400 yards passing, Good day for him. Matt Stafford, three touchdowns, 276 yards. Um, very competitive game. Lions are 4-5, and five, and Matt Patricia might just keep his job in Detroit. I think Matt Patricia is respected around the league except in the city of Detroit. The only people that probably uh, didn't like that win were Detroit fans. <laughs> I mean, because they wanted to see Patricia gone, but... Nonetheless, a nice win, competitive game, good offense there. Matt Stafford with a nice day. Marvin Jones also. He and, and Swift, I mean, they got some young players, some young cats there in Detroit. Packers beat the Jags 24-20. to And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he threw for 300 yards, two touchdowns. But, you know, this one for the Packers was a disappointing performance. For the Jags to hang in there like that, remember the, the Packers team that we saw about four or five weeks ago, looked unstoppable, phenomenal, potentially the best team in the league. They looked like at least the best team in the NFC. That team has disappeared. That team is gone. We haven't seen the Packers play to what they're capable of in a couple weeks. And, you know, the the excuse for a bit was, well, no Devontae Adams and such. That certainly hurts. Um, He had eight catches Sunday. That wasn't it. Um... You know, the Jags were playing Jake Lutton. Wasn't like that they were, you know, throwing out your Uncle Rico out there. <laughs> I mean, Gardner Minshew's been out for a bit, but uh, you, you sometimes you just got to win in this league. Packers, they may be 7-2, and two, but they're still in a little bit of a lull of sorts. The Giants beat the Eagles 27-17. I called this one on Thursday's show, if you recall. Danny Dimes. Still running it like a madman. That guy could fly. The Eagles are in bad shape, 3-5-1. The Giants are 3-7. and seven. That NFC East is such a mess, but the Giants are starting to play some better ball the last couple of weeks. Almost beat the Bucs. I think there's two straight wins now. Call me crazy. 
I think the Giants are going to win the NFC East. I'm telling you that right now. The Giants will win the NFC East, and they will host a playoff game. Can you believe that? Bucks had a bounce-back win against the Panthers, 46-23. They really pulled away there in that second half. But, I mean, you, you take it with a grain of salt. There was no Christian McCaffrey for Carolina. And, you know, that really showed for this team that they weren't the same bunch offensively that they were a week ago with McCaffrey against the the Chiefs there. Tom Brady played well. Uh, Ronald Jones ran the ball well, too. I mean, the Bucks' offense, they had the bounce-back game they were looking for. But I, I don't give this team too much credit because New Carolina was not at full strength. So, uh, you know, the Bucks 7-3, and three, we'll see. Uh, they were my pick to win the NFC, but I still need to sh- see more. Do that against a good team, a contender, okay? Put that performance against a, an elite football team, and then we'll start talking. That's what they need to have after that embarrassment against the Saints. Prove to us something and do that against a quality opponent. Uh, the Raiders beat the Broncos 37-12. to Raiders are 6-3. and Josh Jacobs was great. Derek Carr was good enough. Um, the Raiders are running the ball. They're playing good defense. That's the oldest way in the book to win in the National Football League is just that. Raiders are 6-3. and three. They're not going away. And I think folks thought when the Chiefs were going to play the Raiders the second time that the Raiders would have fallen off the wagon a little bit, taken a step back. Not the case at all. The Raiders, man, uh, they're looking like they're a playoff team at this point. They're going to give the Chiefs all they can handle on Sunday night. I can tell you that right now. Dolphins beat the Chargers 29-21. The battle between Justin Herbert and Tua Tungavaiola. And it was Tua that gets the better of Justin Herbert this time. He had a good game. Two touchdowns through the air. Uh, Justin Herbert had two touchdowns and one pick himself. Um, You know, the Dolphins, that defense is looking really good. I like what Brian Flores is doing. And, you know, the Chargers, I've heard things about them moving on from Anthony Lynn. We are a pro-fire coach show around here, but my goodness, Anthony Lynn? Anthony Lynn is not the problem there in, in L.A. They've had, I believe it is, seven games this year where they've lost in all seven of their games by single digits. One of only three teams in the league that all their losses are by single digits. The The Chargers have bigger problems than Anthony Lynn. I think that they're happy, they should be happy with Anthony Lynn just to be in position that they are to contend in these games. Um, he's doing fine. Uh, I will back Anthony Lynn, Justin Herbert. That team's got a bright future. It just needs time. Two and company, that's five straight wins for the Dolphins. Man. That's fun. How about the game of the day? The Cardinals beat the Bills 32-30. to Bills get that late touchdown with like 33 seconds from Josh Allen. Heck of a drive. And then the Cardinals have a little bit of time left, but just enough time left for the Hale Murray from Kyler to DeAndre Hopkins for that game-winning touchdown score. Hopkins was around three defensive backs and still brought down that catch. It was amazing. I mean, Kyler Murray should have been sacked on that play. 
and still was able to get it up to Hopkins with the touchdown. When I watch DeAndre Hopkins play, it reminds me of his teammate Larry Fitzgerald. When Kurt Warner and Larry Fitz had their thing going on, it was Kyler. It was uh, you know with Warner. He just said, you know, hey, if I got Larry in one on one or two on one coverage, I'm just going to throw it up to him because I trust him that he's going to bring it down. And you're seeing that connection, that uh, you know belief from Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins, and it's certainly something special. Cardinals are at six and three. Watch out, folks. That is going to be a heck of a Thursday night game against the Seahawks. Cardinals are playing some great football. We said going into this game for the Bills that they didn't have to win this game. They fall to 7-3. and three. They're still fine. Sure, you got the Dolphins right there on their heels, but the Bills are going to make the postseason. The Cardinals needed this one more than the Bills did. I'm not overly concerned by the Bills after losing this game. They're going to be fine. Rams beat the Seahawks 23-16. to The Seahawks have been just flat the couple last couple weeks. Back-to-back losses. And, you know, they, they looked like the best offense in the league just a couple weeks ago. And they're a far cry from that now. The Rams, you know, Jared Goff, he's a glorified game manager. And, you know, he had 300 yards passing. Um, but to his credit... That run game is so inconsistent, they don't have a number one set back. And he was still able to get Reynolds and Higby and Cup and those guys involved here. Um, he did his part. That Rams defense, though, is something special. Aaron Donald and company, I mean, they had a, uh, a good day there against Seattle. Russell Wilson, two interceptions. Um, he's out of the MVP running now. He went from being the favorite to just out of it. Six turnovers. In the last two weeks for Russell Wilson. That's not going to fly. Seattle, they're in trouble. They need some help. They might not even win their division now. And it looked like a lock that they were going to win that division just a couple weeks ago. Saints beat the Niners 27-13. to But the story of this game is the broken ribs for Drew Brees, the fractured lung. Now you got to trust Jameis Winston. And by the point that Jameis got in this game, it was – all decided, but, man, the Saints were in great shape. This team had their arrival game last week against the Bucks, winning that game in Tampa, and now you lose Drew Brees. Now we're going to see what Jameis is all about. If Jameis plays good throughout this stretch, he might earn himself that job next year. He very well could. Um, listen, I would not want to have to be in a position where I'm trust having to trust Jameis Winston, but the Saints have no choice. That's the situation they're in now. That's the way a cookie crumbles. Seahawks or uh, 49ers fall to four and six. They're done if they weren't already. You know this Nick Mullins guy. You know he's not it. They need Garoppolo. I can tell you that right now. Um, the Niners, so many injuries. It, it just caught up to them eventually. They had a little bit of a bounce back for a bit, but. They're just not the team that they were a season ago. Steelers stay perfect with a 36-10 win over the Bengals. And for the first time in franchise history, the Steelers are 9-0. Isn't that crazy? The Steelers are playing that good of football. And, and I watched most of this game. What's so fun about this Steeler team here in 2020 is that it's not all about one guy in that receiving core. 
I know that Chase Claypool, the rookie's having a big year, but after Juju's numbers went down last year when teams were double-teaming him and taking him away, now things have opened up for Juju. Deontay Johnson had a big day. He had over six catches and 100 yards. Um, they need a better running back than James freaking Connor. I mean, who's slow as hell. My gosh. I mean, the Steelers got to do better than James Conner at that running back spot. But other than that, their their offense is dynamic. In that defense, the Steel Curtain defense is unbelievable. Um, they got a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow. They made it a rough day for him. For the Bengals, though, I'll say this. I loved as a Lawrence and, and KU guy seeing – Amani Bledsoe, the Lawrence native, played at Lawrence High, get the start for the Bengals on defense. And then Hakeem Adeniji, the former KU left tackle, got to play left tackle for the Bengals. That was cool to see. Those guys, um, and you know, they have Joe Mixon and Samaje Pirine. Pirine let them in rushing. Uh, on Sunday, they got that Big 12 OU, KU, Lawrence thing going on there. That's pretty cool. I like to see that from the Bengals. That makes it more likable when you got local kids involved. Upset of the weekend was the uh, Patriots beating the Ravens 23-17. to I think teams have kind of figured out this Lamar Jackson thing. I like Lamar. Great dude. But I think, you know, once teams got tape on him, they realized, okay, this is what it takes. This is what it takes to slow down Lamar Jackson. 17 points. Lamar's not having the year he was before. And and it wasn't like that the Patriots' offense was anything too spectacular either. I mean, Cam Newton played okay. Um, this was about the Patriots. This was Belichick that won this game. This was an ugly game weather-wise. Um, you know, Cam went 13-17. They ran the ball well. New England did. Um but they played good defense. And there were some questions a couple of weeks ago if New England was going to tank for Trevor Lawrence. But Bill Belichick's too good, man. He's not going to let that happen. He's too good of a coach to just let his season fall apart and throw games like that. They've looked subpar, and they're 4-5. and five. This team, talent-wise, with the eight guys that opt out, and the average quarterback play they've gotten from Cam Newton since he returned from COVID. This team very well could have just two wins right now. But Bill Belichick, folks, never doubt that man. He's a machine. I tell you what, don't doubt Bill Belichick. So there you have it. That's our uh, NFL rundown for this week. Vikings and Bears coming up tonight. We picked that earlier in the week. I like the Vikings. Bears got a lot of problems right now. Um... Meanwhile, in uh, college football, the Big 12 only had two games this week. West Virginia gets the best of TCU, 24-6. West Virginia now 5-3, TCU 3-4 on the year. Daggy with another good game. West Virginia, they're still not out of the, the Big 12 title hunt. Isn't that crazy? My goodness. Um, West Virginia, credit to Neil Brown. I think a lot of people were quick to dismiss Neil Brown at West Virginia this year. And five wins. Here they are. Much improved year. I don't know if they'll be in the Big 12 dollar game. I would not think so. But nonetheless, an improvement. Texas Tech beats Baylor 24-23. 
Uh, this game was uh, was something else. I don't know if I have the right words to describe it. It, it was like watching a, a dumpster fire just continue to burn and not stop burning. Uh, this was painful in the eyes to watch this game. Texas Tech ultimately wins. They're 3-5. and five. Um, Dave Aranda, not doing so hot in his debut season at Baylor. Tough circumstances. I'm not going to hold it against him. You know, it's it, it'd be tough for any first-year head coach in this COVID world. But 1-5, I think we expected more of the Bears in 2020. I'll, I'll say that much. Other games around college football – Miami gets the win against Virginia Tech, 25-24. What I tell you on Thursday, wrong team favored. It made no sense that Virginia Tech was the favorite in this game. Um, Miami, good performance. De'Ara King played well. Um, you know That D. Higgins kid was phenomenal receiving the football. Miami, 7-1. Good job by Manny Diaz and company. No matter how the rest of the year shakes out, you start the year 7-1, I think Miami's got reason to feel good about how 2020's gone for them. Indiana, shutout win, 24-0 at Michigan State. Indiana's going to play Ohio State this week and might be their toughest matchup of the entire season. Where did that come from? Who thought Indiana was going to do that? Oh, my gosh, folks. Uh, go Indiana. Go Hoosiers. I love it. That is a great to see them have this season that they're having. Credit where credit's due. Notre Dame knocks off Boston College 45-31. People wondered if Notre Dame was going to have that letdown game after getting the big win against Boston against uh, Clemson a week ago. They did not. Ian Book played good. Um, Notre Dame was fun. 8-0. Playoff talk is getting serious with Notre Dame now. USC beats Arizona 34-30. USC, there's nothing too flashy about this team. They're winning close games. They're not doing it in an impressive fashion. I don't think the Pac-12 has a playoff team. But Clay Helton might do enough to save his job. Just enough. We'll see. Florida beats Arkansas 63-35. Sam Pittman wasn't able to make it on the sidelines for the Hogs. But Kyle Trask, he's got to be your Heisman frontrunner. Six touchdowns over 350 yards. I mean, just amazing. Can I take him in the draft now? I know I'm not a GM or anything, but I love what Kyle Trask is doing there at Florida. Dan Mullen, we knew he was going to do something special. He was going to find his quarterback, and they were going to go off. And that's what he's done. Kyle Trask is the best Florida quarterback since Tim Tebow. Right? I mean, he has done great. Arkansas... They're three and four. Didn't have their head coach. Still a hell of a year for Arkansas. No reason to be hanging their heads. Oregon beats Washington State 43-29. Good win for the Ducks. My Golden Hurricane, Tulsa, pulls off the upset against number 19 SMU at home. Tulsa trailed in this game badly. They were down 24-7 and came back to win. Miraculous comeback. Zach Smith was great in the second half. TU is ranked for the first time in a decade. Rain Kane. Oh, my gosh. I love it. TU's 4-1. and one. They're a force to be reckoned with. Um, you know, I-, I loved what I saw from, from them. I mean, just so much fun to see from uh, the Golden Hurricane. Uh, that's a great story. 
Philip Montgomery has to, he's had to take a pay cut and you know do what he's had to do this year. Um, you know, they've gone through some tough times, more than people know. And it's it's a great story. I, I love it. I love the story. Wisconsin, Grant Mertz, man. He, he had two touchdowns, 127 yards, but because they didn't need him to do more than that. I mean, he was just phenomenal. Um, I liked what he had, what he put together, 49 points, 49-11 win. Uh, Michigan's a fraud. Jim Harbaugh is starting to look for other homes elsewhere. Uh, I loved what I saw from a Graham Mertz in Wisconsin. I just wish that we get more games for them, that they didn't have that opt-out thing go on. So there you have it. That's the uh, college football rundown. Will Muschamp's out in South Carolina. Can't say I'm too surprised um, by that decision. You know, Muschamp, I didn't like the hire at the time. I've never been a big fan of his. Um, but nonetheless, it was the right move. You know, South Carolina, I think that you look across the way and see what Clemson's doing right there in your own state. And if you're only winning four or five games a year, what are you going to do, right? I mean, here's the thing about South Carolina. I'll say this real quick. Is that when Steve Spurrier was there, everybody thought, wow, Spurrier's doing a phenomenal job. Look what he's doing. South Carolina's never won before. Now they've won 11 games. They've done all this. And it seemed great at the time. But now seeing what Dabo's done at Clemson, man, uh, it's just another level. It is something else. And hard to compete with that. I don't think Muschamp's a, head, a very good head coach. I think he's a great defensive coordinator, and that's the job he should have. Um, sorry, Will, but that's just how it is. One more thing before we go here on today's Jones Report. Do want to talk uh, some NBA real quick, some moves that are going on. Um, the big one of that being Chris Paul leaving Oklahoma City as he's headed to the Phoenix Suns. And I didn't really know what to think of this move at first just because I was waiting uh, to see what exactly the Thunder got in uh, in exchange in, uh, you know, what they were you know getting. But the more I look into this, the more I like this move for Oklahoma City. Um Here's what the Thunder are getting. You send Chris Paul and a Nader to the Suns. Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, uh, and Jalen Lakeway in a 2022 first-round pick. The main thing here is, you know, Oubre and Rubio, you know, they're good players, and Jerome and Lakeway, you know, you, you like those guys. Not bad players, but the key is the picks. And now you're up to 17 first-round picks dating all the way to 2026. Um, Sam Preston is going to own the draft lottery or own the draft the next several years. It's phenomenal what he's doing to stock up on all these picks. Um, And the way that it's going to be protected, according to Shams, is 1 through 12 in 2022 is protected. The Suns uh, keep it. 1 through 10 in 2023, the Suns keep it. 1 through 8 in 2024, the Suns keep it, and unprotected in 2025. So you will have that pick by at least 2025 is the uh, situation there for the Thunder of how that will all work. So it's a it's a great deal. And, and here's what the other factor is. Basically what you've done is 
because Chris Paul was a result of the Russell Westbrook trade and all that, you circle around, you pretty much got three first-round picks out of Russell Westbrook. I'll take that. That will work for me. Um, And getting Russell's bad contract off the books and starting this rebuild. Now you look at some other options. It's clear. The Thunder are in full rebuild mode. And they're committed to the rebuild. And, you know, it's going to be some bad basketball to watch for the next several years. But that's the reality of it. You know, we'll take our lumps and then just hopefully this team gets better down the road. But they are taking their best chance at championship success down the line. If they didn't make these moves, then they would just be a borderline playoff team and be right where they are. This is a gamble. So I like the aggressiveness from Sam Presti to say, you know what, this is the best chance for Oklahoma City for them to win down the line. Just go for it. Do it this way. Um, Sounds like James Harden's looking to move to potentially Philadelphia or Brooklyn. Russell Westbrook's wanting out of Houston as well. That team's a dumpster fire. And you're seeing a changing of the guard in the NBA. Houston's going through changes, losing their top two players. San Antonio potentially moving on from LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan there. While you see, you know, Dennis Schroeder gets picked up by the Lakers, picks them up a solid point guard there and some of these other changes going on around the league, it's a new era of NBA basketball. Um, You know, eventually the Spurs and Rockets and Thunder will be back. They're well-run organizations. They'll find their way back to the top. But right now, it's a reset moment. It's time to restart and just see where things go from here. That's the reality of it. We see right now with these franchises is that they are in rebuild mode. And I think that we're far from over when it comes to these trades and such. And it's so funny to hear the Rockets say that they're content with keeping Russell Westbrook and James Harden this year if they have to. You don't keep two guys that say they want to be traded and make trade requests. That's not how this works. They'll be gone. They'll be out of Houston. You know, they moved on from Daryl Morey. They moved on from Mike D'Antoni. Houston is tearing down all the walls. It's going to happen. Um, the other thing, too, is you, if you have just a couple things go different, those teams wouldn't be in that scenario. San Antonio, if Kawhi Leonard stays, they're just fine. They're rolling. They're competing for titles. The Rockets, you know, if – if they would add a couple more things go their way this year. What was it? Two years ago, they were one win away from the Western Conference Finals with Chris Paul. They were close. Oklahoma City, maybe if Paul George doesn't request that trade to go home to Los Angeles. And there's another story. Is Chris is uh, is Paul George going to stay with the Clippers? Or is he going to get a move of some sorts? There's still a lot to figure out these next couple weeks. And the draft on Wednesday night, here's what I'm looking at from the draft. The biggest takeaway I have, and we talked, if you want a draft preview, go back and check out our podcast with Jared Sutton. The thing I like about this draft is depth. Some of these great players like Miles Bridges, Devon Dotson, Yudoka Azubuki, that really good college careers, 
going to be available in the second round. The Thunder, with those two picks they have in the 20s, those are quality picks. I would say that the picks the Thunder have this year, in some years, would be the quality player they could get in 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 the lottery, potentially. It's a deep draft. Um, That's what I look at with this draft. And the talent up top, Wiseman, um, you know, Ball, some of these other guys. I think you're talking about a deep draft with some instant impact players. That's what I think we're seeing out of this NBA draft coming up on Wednesday night. But we'll break it all down coming up on Thursday's show, how it all unfolded. And we'll see you then. Thomas Bridges will join me as well. Make sure to subscribe to the Jones Report, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Leave us a five-star review. Also, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Tyler Jones Live. And we'll see you on the other side. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday.